thank all of you uh, who invited a friend to come with you last Sunday for Friend Day. And it was great to see so many new faces at church. And we started last Sunday in a new series called What We've Seen and Heard. John, uh, who was one of the 12 disciples, said, uh, we're declaring to you what we've seen and heard. In 1 John chapter 1, he, he said, we are eyewitnesses to the life and the miracle of Jesus. And last week in our first message, we talked about Jesus as the friend, the friend of all of us. Today, we're headed back to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, where we will see Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. John chapter 10 is where we're headed this morning. As you turn there, uh, let me remind you about our communion service this evening at 5.30, and I hope you'll be here as we reflect together on what Jesus has done for us. Now, the schedule for next Sunday on Easter goes like this. At 7 a.m., we have a sunrise service, and we haven't done that for many years, and so it's a, it's a real opportunity for us to do this. I looked at the weather forecast, and it's supposed to be sunny. It's supposed to also be 31 degrees. Um, but it's got to be sunny, so uh, we're having a sunrise service, 7 o'clock. The information is there in your bulletin. It's at the Brian's house on Homedale Road. Uh, then at 9.30, we have our normal morning classes, followed by this family worship service at 11 o'clock. And then right after the service, we have the giant candy hunt out on the sports field back in the back. Let's read this morning from John chapter 10 now, starting in verse number 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now, what a beautiful passage this is that we're studying here on this Palm Sunday. The disciples uh, wouldn't understand all of this until later, but Jesus had told them exactly what he came to do. He would be the sacrifice for sins that had been promised by God since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And this morning, we're going to work our way through this passage uh, where we see Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, so let's start by talking about that he was born for a singular purpose. He was born for a singular purpose. 
And the notes are provided in your bulletin this morning if you'd like to follow along with us. They're also on the YouVersion app uh, on your online device. And he, so he was born for a singular purpose. Uh, although most of the disciples met Jesus as an adult near the Sea of Galilee, he had been sent by God to the earth three decades earlier. Born of a virgin, God in human form, only here to do his Father's business. Look again at verse number 10. Look what he says at the end of the verse. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give life. Without him, there is no life. Now, let's think about this yeah, just in a real practical way. There's no physical life without Jesus. Okay, there's no sun, earth, water, animals, people, universe. Colossians 1 reminds us that by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And without Jesus, there is no existence for anyone. He gives physical life. But that's nothing compared to what he came to earth to offer us, which is eternal life, abundant life. Jesus came for a singular purpose. Now, whether you know it or not, you were made also for a singular purpose. Uh, a second ago, I quoted from Colossians 1. All things were made by him and for him. You were made for God's glory, no matter who you are. You were created to worship the Creator. And if you don't do that with your life, you are going to have a very unsatisfied life because it's what you were made to do. You find the most unhappy people on earth, you know who they're always going to be? The people who are not glorifying God with their lives, right? And the happiest people on earth under any circumstance or situation are always going to be those who are glorifying God with their life. Now, if you don't do that, if you don't glorify God with your life, uh, you're going to be unsatisfied. Uh, it'd kind of be like if you were given a Rolex watch, and you took the Rolex watch outside in the flower bed to use it as a shovel, right? So here you got this $20,000 watch, and you go outside and you start to use it as a shovel in your flower bed. You're taking something extremely valuable and using it against its created purpose. Uh, it's like taking a brand new Mercedes convertible, filling it with dirt and growing vegetables in it. Okay, It's a waste of engineering. It's a distortion of purpose. By the way, uh, back in 1997, Amy and I helped start a church in Arkansas, and they actually do that with their old cars down there. Now, they don't do it with new cars, they do it with their old cars and with their old commodes, right? They just go put them out in the front yard, fill them with dirt, and plant flowers in them. It's the craziest looking flower pot I've ever seen. And you walk up to these houses for visitation and start, we're passing out flowers to start a church, and you would see all sorts of interesting things in front yards. There's an old bathtub, and they, now it's a duck bed, you know? It's, uh, and, and so the people use all things uh, for all sorts of purposes, but uh, when you don't serve God with your life, it's a distortion of purpose. 
And if Jesus had not given his life for us, there was no reason for him to come. There was no reason for his existence on the earth. But he did exactly what he had come to do. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, what a beautiful purpose that is. And so we know that he came for a singular purpose. Now I want to talk in this second section about the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And so let's go to verses 11 through 14. And let's study these a little bit deeper now than our first reading. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is in hireling, careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. And so Jesus told his disciples that he had come to give life. But then he threw in a little word picture to give them more understanding. Now many of the stories or parables that Jesus told his disciples and all the rest of the people had something to do with country living. Uh, it was what they knew. They were all aware of sheep and shepherding. Okay, And in this chapter, he used the relationship between sheep and shepherd to describe his reason for living. And here's what he clued him in on. The hireling doesn't care about the sheep. Okay, The person who got hired to take care of the sheep, he didn't care about the sheep. He just wants to get paid. If he sees a wolf coming, he's willing to sacrifice a sheep or three, but never himself. He runs from the wolf. But the good shepherd gives his life for their lives. The sheep are his chief concern, never himself. And you've lived out this parable in your life, maybe not with sheep, but with stuff. Maybe with your kids, maybe with your vehicle. Uh, the person uh, who's using your stuff maybe didn't care for it like you do, right? The person who borrowed your stuff. Uh, the person watching your kids may have just been there to collect a couple $20 bills. They didn't really care what happened to the kids. And that's why when you came home, uh, all sorts of weird things had happened in your house. And uh, your kids did survive it, thankfully. Uh, but you didn't use that person again because they were just there to get paid. Uh, the person who used your car, they didn't drive it like you do. They acted like it was a race car. And they peeled out and they went around curves. And it's kind of like if you own a convenience store and a thief comes in. If you own the convenience store and a thief comes in, you're going to do everything you can to stop the thief. Right? But if you don't own the convenience store, if you just work there, you're going to let the thief take whatever. And you see this happening uh, all the time now with people who own shops. I saw the other day a uh, shop owner in San Francisco uh, had a stick out and these guys came in and just started taking stuff out of the shelf and he came and started whacking them um, because it's his shop and he cares about the shop. Uh, but the people who just worked there, they just let him clean off the shelves. And so does the mayor and police department. We won't get political, but it's crazy down there. 
Yeah. So, so the hireling doesn't really care like the owner cares. The hireling doesn't care like the shepherd cares. Yeah, this word picture of a hireling reminds us of what Jesus had already told them at the beginning of the chapter. Now, maybe you haven't noticed the beginning of this chapter very often. I want to go back to verse number 1. And uh, let's, let's just look who the hireling is, who the robber is, who the thief is in this story. So John 10, 1. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. I always love that passage. When your kids are little, uh, they get to know your voice, even at a young age. And my wife was uh, gone last, this last week, and, and uh, she had sent me a video last Sunday. Uh, we were having church here, and they were watching it. She was in South Carolina with your parents, and they were watching it on the live stream here. And our little boy, Holland, uh, who is 14 months old, when he heard me talking over the TV, he just started jumping as much as he could, and he's excited because it's a familiar voice. And isn't that weird how uh, when the voice of the Holy Spirit of God, when the voice of God speaks to us, uh, we know that it's our Father in heaven speaking to us. A stranger will they not follow. Now, look at verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So if you ever read this and don't feel... Uh, don't feel bad if you don't understand it. The disciples didn't understand it. Right? They had no idea what he's talking about. So then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill, and to destroy. And only the good shepherd has the right mindset toward the sheep. Only the shepherd is willing and ready to give his life for the sheep. Now, let's go to this third part. I want to move down to verse 15. And let's see this third part, the Lamb of glory. The Lamb of glory. Verse number 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Now, the disciples, they didn't understand the whole door and shepherd and, and fold talk. That we read that. They didn't really get what that was. But they did know Jewish history. And these disciples knew 
what it took to be a Jew, what it took especially to be a Jewish young man, and what you had to learn by the time you were 12 years old. And they were fully aware that since the time of the Exodus, a lamb had been sacrificed for the sins of the people on a regular basis. Uh, In the temple, the priests offered sacrifices one day, and then the next day they had to come back and do it all again. The Jewish Day of Atonement happened every year, but it never permanently washed away anyone's sins. They had to do it again the next year. And uh, by the way, if it did wash away sins, the author of Hebrews points out, the sacrifices would have ceased to be offered. But he said it wasn't possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. To take away the sins of the world, there had to be a special lamb. The offering of the body of Messiah, the anointed one, once for all. And only the spotless lamb of glory could lay down his life to save all the other sheep. Whether that was the sheep in the Jewish fold or the sheep in the Gentile fold. And and the word picture proves that only a sinless human being could give his life to take away the sins of a world of human beings. And this sacrifice would only need to happen one time, as Hebrews 10, 12 says. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. And by his own blood, he entered in once, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And so through his death, we live. Through his blood, we have cleansing. And this is such a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us on the cross. He is the Lamb of glory. From time to time, I talk to people who are confused about eternal life. And they believe in Jesus, and they've accepted Jesus into their lives, but they're just not sure that that is going to continue. They feel like maybe they could lose it somehow. And uh, listen, uh, just the logic of what we just talked about in Hebrews has to come into play here, okay? If the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sins is not good enough to keep you saved the first time, what's going to be good enough to keep you saved the second time, right? The sacrifice of Jesus is all sufficient. It is fully sufficient for our sins, And if there's nothing, there's no work you can do to be saved, there's no work you can do to stay saved. The work of Jesus on the cross is what saves us and keeps us. And I hope that you are not confused about that in any way, because confusion on that matter can really mess you up, and it can make you think things about God that just aren't true. And if you ever want to do a word study that's interesting, just uh, type in uh, to a concordance or look up in an old concordance the word eternal in the New Testament and the word everlasting in the New Testament and the word forever, those three words. And you tell me after you do that word study whether or not Jesus has promised us everlasting life or not. Uh, Because he sure said it a lot of times and the apostles sure did back it up. And uh, and the book of Hebrews, as we just read, talks about that the Lamb of glory is enough to save us 
and to keep us for all eternity. Now, I want to go to John chapter 10 and verse number 18. As we go to John 10, 18, I want you to look at the words of Jesus one more time as he says this. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. What an incredible promise this is that Jesus has given. And he reminds us that he's the one who's going to give his life. Nobody's going to take it from him. He's going to give it. And so let's talk about heaven's obedient servant. Heaven's obedient servant. And in this section, we're going to read uh, about the passion of Jesus Christ as we finish out the message today. And I hope you'll be uh, centered and focused on the scriptures uh, as we look at that. But you know, Jesus received the commandment from his Father to go and to become the permanent sacrifice for sins. And he went. And uh, I remember there's, a, there's an old song, I love the song uh, about uh, the cross and about what Jesus has done for us. It's called, Oh, What a Savior. If you ever heard it, the chorus is just this explosive, beautiful chorus. Uh, but one of the verses is theologically off. And it says, they searched through heaven and found a Savior. That's not what I just read in John 10. They didn't search through heaven. Jesus was the only one in heaven who could be the Savior. And they didn't have to search for him. He volunteered. He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny. And I went to that hill of Golgotha for us. And, and we uh, just understand that Jesus received this commandment from the Father to go and to become the permanent sacrifice for sins. And he went. Yeah, in Awana, uh, one of the verses that they learn early on in Sparks, we have Awana here for kids on Wednesday nights during the school year. And one of the verses that they learn is 1 John 4.14, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And these little five-year-old, six-year-old kids are learning this. And I'm telling you, if you learn that and embrace that and internalize that as a young person, it's life-changing because the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And it's from 1 John 4.14. And Jesus is given this most special assignment, and he finished the work he was given to do. Now, on this Palm Sunday, uh, I want you to turn your Bibles or on your Bible apps to John 18. Yeah, let's get to where everybody can see a Bible. Let's get to where everybody can see a Bible. And uh, so share or look at your app together. And yeah, we're going to be in this section. Uh, we're going to read it together. And I'm going to read it out loud. I want you to follow along. And we're going to read about what Jesus has done for us. Uh, I believe that the best message on Palm Sunday is to just see what Jesus did for us. And uh, John saw this and heard this for himself. The rest of the disciples, they said, this is what we've seen and heard. This reality for us. This is who Jesus is. And uh, if this does not get you focused uh, on eternity, nothing will. So look at John 18. Here we go now. 
And as I read out loud this most powerful story that's ever been told, and you follow along with me, I want your mind to take you back to Jerusalem. Jesus has just prayed his prayer of intercession to the Father. It's in John 17. And now we're in John 18, verse number 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Talking about his disciples. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake, of them which thou, hast, which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me. Shall I not drink it? We talked about that last, last week, how Peter was willing to kill for Jesus, but he wasn't willing to die for Jesus. Verse number 12, then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Are not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas the high priest. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Are not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, 
Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a male factor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knoweth thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in the Hebrew, 
Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. They saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him, therefore unto them, to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a tile and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother... And the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar. And they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the Scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which of the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, 
and in the garden a new sepulcher where was never a man yet lain. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. As we finish the passage, I just want to ask you, have you considered lately what Jesus did for you? Have you considered what he did for you? It's easy to get distracted with the cares and the affairs of this world and to put our focus on all, all sorts of things that don't really matter and to lose sight of what's truly important. And even when we read through this passage, it's two chapters long, and it's like some people feel like, man, it just took four hours to read that. It actually didn't. It just took a few minutes to read what God has done for us. And yet, even with us reading that, there's some kids that have been messing around this whole time while we read it because they don't understand the impact of what Jesus has done for us. And I, I hope somebody in the back will help those kids on the back row to, to get a little more sober and serious about this. And I hope their parents will talk to them after the service because this is a very serious thing that we're talking about here today. Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He gave his life for us. And when we lose sight of what's important, we forget what he did and why he did it. And we begin to think that we get to do what we want with this life. And that's not at all why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us abundant life so that we can return that life to him and bring glory to him. And so the faith challenge today is this. Jesus willingly offered his own life for mine so that I could have eternal redemption. He is the ultimate sacrifice. And, and maybe you've never received Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. If you have, then this day is a day where we remember what he's done. And we refocus and we get our minds right about this. Because if Jesus had not come to save us, there's no hope for us. There's no hope, absolutely no hope. But since he came to save us, now we do have hope. And let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what Jesus came to do for us. And as we've read this morning from John chapter 10 and then John chapter 18 and 19, we are so thankful that we have a good shepherd who has given his life for the sheep because he loves us. And Jesus, because of what you've given to us, I pray that we would give our lives to you in return. And if there's anybody here today who has never given their heart and life to you, even right now, they could say, Jesus, I give my heart to you. I realize you died for my sins. I want you in my life. I want to be your child and live forever with you. I pray that as we focus on you throughout this day, and we observe the Lord's Supper tonight, that you would keep us mindful of what's truly important in our lives. 
and help us to, to really reflect on who you are, how gracious you are to us, and what a great God you are. And we'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Hope to see you tonight. And if not, we'll see you Easter Sunday.